It's time for To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington, a power hour of all things Southern Miss. For questions or comments, call 601-261-0898 or pound 981 for C Spire customers. Now we go live to the studio with Jamie. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. I am your host, Jamie Arrington, here with your weekly break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. In studio with me, as always, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend Jason Bailey. How are you, big man? Doing good. Big game coming up this weekend. Fired up this weekend for the 97 throwback. Been looking forward to it since they announced it. Uh, Saw the uniforms come out. Look sharp. They look great. So this Saturday, September the 30th, the Golden Eagles will be taking on North Texas. Southern Miss sitting at 2-1 and one right now. North Texas sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Game starts at 6 p.m. at The Rock. Last meeting last year, November 19th, 2016. UNT squeaked one out, 29-23 to 23 over the Golden Eagles all-time. Southern Miss leads the series 6 wins to 5. Uh, it's a very potent UNT offense this year. They're averaging 37.8 points per game, 503.5 yards per game. Got a heck of a quarterback in Mason Fine. He's averaging about 269 passing yards per game. They're running back Jeffrey Wilson, 129.5 yards per game and six TDs. Meanwhile, their defense, pretty much doing the same numbers, 33, giving up 33, 35.5 points per game, 397 yards per game. So like you said, Southern Miss wearing the throwback jerseys to honor the 1997 team. They, if, if anybody's interested, they do have replica throwbacks at the uh, what is it? The the campus bookmark. Mm-hmm. Just off yeah, my street, wife's, my wife's already hit me up. She wants us to get two of them. Awesome. And somebody else hit me up on Twitter. Um, Sandra on Twitter hit me up. Wants me to buy her one as well. I was like, look, I'm not just rolling in it over here. Okay, you're really not. <laughs> I'm not either. So let's take it back. 1997. What was going on in 1997? First off, Bill Clinton sworn in for his second term as president of the United States. Are you going to give us one of your impressions of Bill Clinton? I am not. Ugh. Princess Diana passes away. Tiger Woods becomes the youngest golf golfer ever to win the Masters at age 21. Steve Jobs returns to run Apple computers. Titanic was the biggest film of the year and of all time until Avatar took it over in 2009. Mississippi native Leanne Rimes becomes the youngest person to ever win a Grammy at age 14. Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers defeat the New England Patriots to win Super Bowl 31. The governor of Mississippi, Kirk Fordyce. The mayor of Hattiesburg, Ed Morgan. The president of USM, Horace Fleming. Athletic director, Bill McClellan. Jay Hobson was coaching defensive backs for the Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, Nucci Harris was born in 2007. I'm sure we have more players than that. Jamie Arrington graduated from Oak Grove High School. Jason Bailey was pledging Sigma Chi at Southern Mist and our Southern Mist. And our guest today was making plays for the Golden Eagles. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Car Shannon. Appreciate it. Happy to be here again, guys. That was the longest buildup we've had for a guest before. (laughs) (laughs) I'll turn into this one year. I certainly don't deserve that. So before we get to the 97 team, big game coming up this weekend against North Texas. You know, they've got a coach, uh, um, Seth Luttrell. Correct. Looks like. Sean Hannity on steroids. He comes from the Larry Fedora coaching tree. Actually comes from the Mike Leach coaching tree. He goes back that far. He goes back that far. He was a running backs coach uh, for Leach at Texas Tech. Also in Oklahoma, spent some time there. So that's all really more of a spinoff from Mike Leach, actually. 
He did. He did call plays for Fedora. He, he was did. the offensive he, coordinator before he took the job with North Texas. Uh, he was two years with uh, Coach Fedora over North Carolina. So we've got him. Offense is kind of turning around for the man. Defense kind of like a Fedora defense. They're not really. Yeah, both really, those stats look a lot like a Fedora. Like when Fedora was here, five hundred a game offensively, four hundred a game defensively. Trying to win games, forty nine, forty eight. Right. And and who who would y'all say that the current Southern Miss team kind of looks like? They as far as stat wise, stat wise, are, we're playing like some of those Bowers. I mean, exactly. Maybe not. Maybe a little more so offensively than all the time, but defensively, mm-hmm. they're 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 very solid. I mean, I love the the spread offenses. I love watching you know put points on the board. But I, I didn't realize how much I missed defense until I Me saw neither. the way the team's starting to play this year. You know, I, we talked about this first time I was ever on the show with you guys, and and. That's kind of what Coach Hop brings. It's kind of a little bit more of that Bauer mentality. Obviously, things have evolved a little bit, and the offense is a little bit more matured, a little bit more towards the the, the spread look. Um, but really, the hallmark of, of the way he coaches is defense. I mean, he's a defensive guy. He played defensive back at the school up north, and and so uh, the teams are going to be a reflection of of him. He's always been a defensive guy. So. Uh, you saw that out of the gate last, uh, really the first game is how well we played against Kentucky, and you've seen that thus far. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's just the reality of it. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to reminisce with Carr about the 1997 Conference USA Championship Southern Miss football team. Come right back to us. Welcome back to To The Top Talk. Jamie Arrington here with Jason Bailey and from the 1997 Golden Eagle football team, Carr Shannon. So we were talking during the break. Let's get into it. Let's talk about this 97 team. The conference champions went 9-3 and that year, 6-0 and in Conference USA, had a final AP ranking of 19. So Carr, you were kind of talking about how the 1997 team, the buildup for that actually came the year before. It did. It really started from the 96 season and just the sour taste we had in our mouth. Uh, college football is very different now in terms of postseason play. And back then, essentially, Conference USA was in its first year of, uh, of play in the football side of things. So there was really only one bowl tie-in, which was the Liberty Bowl. And we are 8-1. and one. We're ranked 19-20th in the country in 96. We go to Houston. We have two games to play. Uh, we're going to go to Houston and to Florida State. And we go to Houston, and we cannot stop them. I mean, we it, it is a track meet. Um, Antoine Smith, their running back, uh, I really do believe that that game made him a first-round draft pick. Um, all on draft day on ESPN, all the highlights were shown were of that game. We couldn't stop them. And we were a dominant defense. If you think about it, that's you know that '96 season was when we changed. Uh, we went from a four-three to a three-four. Multiple zone. I mean, just you really took the organized chaos that used to be talked about with Coach Thompson to another level. But we were just we just couldn't stop them that game. And it, as I mentioned, it was a track meet. Lee Rob throws for 398 yards, if I do remember correctly. Uh, Kendrick Lee has an amazing game. Uh, we're 49, tied at 49 all, going into overtime. 
and that was the first year also of overtime play. And unfortunately, they score on their first series again because we couldn't stop them. So it's fifty six forty nine. Uh, Lee throws out a swing pass to Little B to Brandon Francis, and Brandon Francis is stopped about a yard, maybe not even a yard short of the goal line. And they just walk off, go crazy. We end up tied for the conference championship, but because there was only one bowl tie-in, we end up sitting at home. So the whole theme of the 97 season was unfinished business because we didn't finish the season. We ended up going the next week. We lost to Florida State, and we sat at home. And it was a really tough pill to swallow when you were ranked uh, in the top 25. You finish with one loss in conference play, 8-3 and three overall, playing a very difficult schedule, four home games when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, you have three losses, uh, Alabama, Florida State, and Houston. <laughs> and Houston was a very good squad in their own right. And to be sitting at home was just – it was a tough pill to swallow for all of us. So it was really the, – the mantra truly was unfinished business. And everything we did that entire offseason was built around finishing. And that really just led to, you know, how we went about everything toward for the 97 season. And we would not be denied. Um, we start off, we play uh, the previous year, uh, Florida, play them in Gainesville to open up the season, national champions – um, I believe they were preseason ranked number two, I believe, going into that game. Uh, national television game, ESPN2. Oh, yeah, they were. I got it on my notes. Number actually. two. Yeah. <laughs> King of useless knowledge right here. Uh, number two in the country. And we played really well. Lost 21-7. to seven. Uh, Played real well. Had a few turnovers uh, deep in the territory, uh, deep in their territory. Couldn't, couldn't take advantage of it. Uh, we played very well defensively and in the kicking game. But uh, just came up short. Even though, again, it was 21-7, to we played very well and uh, had our chances, really, to, to pull yeah. that upset off in Gainesville. Um, you know, a little side note, made the opening tackle of the, of the kickoff there, and we kicked off. So it was the first and only time I ever led the team in tackles. <laughs> so, but I made the opening tackle in that, in that game, and then I think I sprinted all the way down the sideline so fired up and excited – uh, going crazy. But, uh, you know, the next week we go back on the road, another nationally televised game, go to Illinois, um, go to the Big Ten uh, and, and play in a very historic uh, stadium there, you know, where the likes of Red Grange play, Dick Buckus, and, and, and many others, and just beat them uh, soundly. I mean, it, it was literally 24 to nothing before they even got on the board. They got a late touchdown in the game, but – uh, you know, defense comes up strong again. Jamal had Jamal Alexander had two picks, one for a score. Uh, Little B again this time caught a swing route from Lee Rob, got in. Uh, Harold had somewhere probably around 130 something yards rushing. Kelby Nance added quite a bit as well, as it was his first action as a Golden Eagle. Young man, you know, great guy, great teammate from Hattiesburg. He was a uh, freshman, redshirt freshman that year. Um, so Kelby comes in, gets action. Lee does, you know. Throws, you know, has a Lee Rob game, manages the game, does an outstanding job, and so we go to, you know, go to the Big Ten and pick up a win, you know, for little old Conference USA, Southern Miss, and uh, so a nice little a statement too, going one and one on the road against two, you know, one SEC, one Big Ten team, um, and they were a good team in their own right. They had uh, future uh, NFL running back Robert Holcomb, who played a number of years with the uh, St. Louis Rams. Oh yeah. Um, so you know it. Um, you know, it's kind of just another little funny story on Friday night. 
uh, our coaching staff goes to dinner, and Coach Womack, who was my position coach, happened they happened to just run in, run into uh, go to the same place that the Illinois team was at eating, and we were a little unsure what they would be running offensively because they had a new coach who had come from the Chicago Bears, who was offensive coordinator there, and um, so. <laughs> He ends up talking to Holcomb, and Holcomb just gives it the whole spill about what all they do, you know, what the, the, you know, because he just said he was a high school coach in Missouri. He told him he was a high school coach in Missouri, and Holcomb just spills the beans about what all they do offensively. So it was a, it, you know, which we had been watching a lot of Bears tape going into that game, but it was pretty funny to, you know, we kind of got a little insight just from a preparation standpoint, more of reassurance about what they were going to do offensively. And um, but, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and so that was a big win. And, and then we had an off week and normally off weeks are, are one of, it's an off week, but right. this one took, um, took a, a, a turn, you know, it, a turn, turn tragic. Yeah. That's about the, the only way to put it. Um, that weekend we had the off week, which would have been September 13th, if I remember correctly on my dates, uh, coach Bauer's daughter, died tragically in a car accident on her way home to pedal, which is, uh, she was, I believe a junior at the time at yeah. uh, pedal high school. So really a traumatic thing for coach Bauer and for Miss Debbie, um, for Stephanie, you know, Stephanie was pretty young at the time Yeah, and, and to lose Kristen and, and tragically such so early. And it, it really affected all of us. Um, she was around the program quite a bit. Um, so that that was a really a tough thing, and and really, it, it obviously took its toll on Coach Bauer, and um, and then you know we had again that off week that had the the funeral was the week of the uh, Nevada game. Coach Bauer wasn't around, but you know again we wanted to be distracted. Uh, again, as the mantra of unfinished business, and he and he told us that, and we were very um, very focused team despite the circumstance and. You know, he showed up later in the week to practice, and and you could tell that him being out with us was was therapy for him. Uh, we go, we have a home game on uh, against Nevada, who uh, was coming, was playing out of the uh, the Big West at the time, and they were a very potent offense. They had a, an outstanding receiver in Jeff Noisy, who was leading the country or top two or three in the country at the time, uh, and we played very well. Uh, Lee. I think set a record at the rock at the time through for around 396 yards, something like that. Something pretty impressive. I may be off a tad. Was Chris Klonakis there at that time? Yeah, and Klonakis was there who that's how that relationship, how he ended up coming to, uh, to Southern as a coach was, uh, was that game because they had such a potent offense and coach Bauer recognized that. So Klonakis was there. And, uh, Again, we dominated that that Nevada game. So uh, got up early. They kind of charged back in the fourth quarter, made it twenty one nineteen, and then we put it away at the end. But uh, Lee Rob and Sherrod really hooked up, and you could start to see you can you know that that uh, relationship between those two that was really began back in ninety six was really taken to a next level. Really, that game. And it, it really started to come alive in that game because I, I think Sherrod, I don't know how many, but it was – and, again, I think he had a receiving record too. It was like 180 yards or something like that. But, you know, a big game right there. And, you know, we wore the all-black unis. That was the first time we had worn all-black with the black jerseys, black helmets, black pants as well. And um, and that was essentially in uh, 
in memory of, of Kristen. Uh, she always loved the all-black unis, and that's why hmm. we did it. It was the only time we did it that year. Um, so that was a big win just um, but you know, because of what had happened the week before because of the loss of Coach Bauer's daughter. Um, the next week we go to Alabama, which – you know, every year, you guys know this, we, we would go there and play so well. And it, it was just a, a bitter taste. And, and any guy that played there, there's just a, a sour taste. You might be becoming so close year after year, especially, you know, we talked about this the first time I was on that 95 game where we lose it at the end. Uh, we didn't particularly play well that game. Got a couple of tough calls against us. Uh, one time, Sherrod got pulled down in the end mm-hmm. zone. Horse collar. Yeah, and, and it was just crazy. Um, we lost 27-13. to 13. Played Played well. But uh, not good enough to win. So, you know, we're, we're sitting at 2-2 two and two with losses to two ranked teams, uh, two very good teams in Alabama and Florida. Uh, we come home the next week and just crush Louisville. Absolutely. I mean, just hammered them. I mean, it, was that it, homecoming? Um, I believe, Maybe. I don't think it was. Okay. I think homecoming is actually the two-lane game a couple okay. weeks later. Yeah. But we hammered Louisville. I mean, just all three phases of the game we scored on. Uh, offense, defense, kicking game. Um, it, we scored in the kick game. Mo Gowdy recovers a, uh, a muff punt in the end zone. Uh, that was a huge, huge uh, backbreaker for them because that was in the second quarter. Um, I actually got hurt in that game. I didn't play the second half. Um, had a little partial tear in the MCL and a tackle. I went inverted, got a foot up in the air. Um, Larry Watts came down, my cleat stuck in his jersey, and then somebody came in from the side. So, oh. yeah, it wasn't. It was, uh, that is the most car scenario I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inverted foot in the air, cleat sticks in the jersey, and somebody comes in crashing from the side. So, uh, but anyway, that was, a, um, that was a big win at home. Um, another big conference win. Um, so, you know, it starts off 1 0 in conference, which is, you know, our goal is obviously at the end of the season is to be in Memphis. I mean, that's what, we, again, I talk about unfinished business. And that was the end goal, was to finish the season. You know, let's spend Christmas together, guys. Let's be in Memphis at the end of this thing. And that was it. You know, let's start 1-0 in conference play. And we just hammered Louisville. The next week, we go out to uh, Greenville, North Carolina. It was the second year in a row we had to go out to Greenville. Not sure why, but it was also another Thursday night ESPN game. Or, no, I take that back. Um it was not. It was a Saturday game. I was thinking it was a, it was a Thursday night, but it was a uh, it was a Saturday game in which uh, was probably one of the more pivotal games in the season because East Carolina, if you guys remember, Coach Steve Logan had great teams back in the day. They had some very very good quarterbacks, uh, Marcus Crandall. I mean, just Jeff Blake. I mean, very good squads back in the day, and uh, we had beat them the, the year before on Lee Robb's coming out party on that Thursday night yep. ESPN game. The net, again, this is a Saturday afternoon in Greenville. Uh, it's it's you know we're we're sitting at seven, uh, we're up seven to nothing. Um, right at half, they're going in to the end zone. This is a couple minutes before half. We stop them on we, we they really drove down. We stop them on three plays down close to the end zone. They could not get in. They kick a field goal, and we end up and it's right before half. And a huge momentum swing was. They kick off and to Eric Booth, which was just stupid um, because <laughs> Eric led the country. And I, I, I mean, I, I say that with great pride because I was a part of that group. Those 11 guys that helped, you know, they're part of that Eric Booth, you know, or 10 guys with Eric that uh, we led the country in kickoff returns that year. So it was just, full, we were always good. But that year, we finally 
were number one and averaged essentially 35 yards a return. Wow. Well, right. I mean, you think about that. Your starting field position is at least the 35, Mm -hmm. at least. So those guys kick off to us right before half, and Eric returns it down, you know, right around the 35, somewhere in there. A couple quick passes by Lee Robb. Tim Hardaway gets out there, boots a 40-yarder right before half, and we snatched old Mo right back from, you know, right back away from East East uh, East Carolina. Snatched the momentum back going into halftime. We go up 10-7. We end up winning that game 23 to 13, but that was a huge huge win on the road cuz that is a tough place to play. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it is a very very difficult place to play. Outstanding fans there. All right, guys, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more about the 1997 Golden Eagle football team. You guys come right back to us, to the top. Welcome back to the Top Talk. Jamie Arrington here with Jason Bailey and Carr Shannon. And I'm not kidding you guys. When we're breaking down these games, I've got like a list of the games, and Carr is barely looking at it, and he's like spouting off stats and plays that I'm looking at the game recaps, and it's just like spot on. Like Carr's a robot. He's like an encyclopedia of the 97 season, apparently. I didn't need notes. I didn't know that. King of useless knowledge. King of useless No, this is useful knowledge, my friend. So... You defeat the uh, East Carolina in Greenville, come back home to the Rock, take on the Tulane Green Wave. Big game right there because Coach Bowden had come into Tulane and got those guys rolling. Uh, They had finally harnessed um, the athletes they had had but just really couldn't capitalize when when it was the Buddy Tevens era and they had the Buddy system. Yeah. But uh, he really recruited well. And what Coach Bowden did came in there and gave them an offensive identity and ran something called the spread. You ever heard of that? Oh yeah, exactly. Was this the uh, was this Sean King? This was Sean King, and they had a offensive coordinator named Rich Rodriguez, and so he had hired Rich Rod from Glenville State Division II powerhouse up in West Virginia. Rich was young, but uh, was a head coach at like twenty six. Hired Rich and um, had started running the spread. So that's one of the first teams that ever ran it was coach is that started back in 97 you know at the at big levels at division 1 level. So Sean was the first it was an outstanding candidate to be you know that run pass option guy. Not only that they had a ton of athletes and Juwan Dawson, Jamaican Dartez, Tony Converse, uh you know a ton of guys offensively that could just make plays. And uh so they brought this high powered offense into the rock and they came, you know, again, they had not faced a defense like ours. And, you know, by the end of the day, we had picked them off three times, I believe. I think Patrick may have had three picks himself. Uh, a couple fumbles. I remember Robert Brown picked up a fumble and uh, scooped and, and almost scored. He got pulled down uh, by his jersey uh, going into the goal line. He was about 10, 15 yards shy, but Rob Brown had a huge turnover. We ended up winning 34 to 13. Big game again. A couple of. Um, Lee Roberts to Sherrod Gideon, touchdown passes one. I can I can see vividly. Uh, Sherrod uh, goes up and um, hard stem down the field, makes that cut right at around 10, 12 yards on the post, and Lee Rob hits him in stride, and he is just flying down the field. 
And so that was a huge win for again. We're continuing that one and zero, you know, getting a win each week in conference play. So big win against a very tough, high octane offense in Tulane. Kind of put those guys back in their place to where they belong. And we continue the you know to march towards um, Liberty Bowl, Memphis, New Year's Eve. Uh, the next week we go to uh, Cincinnati, which is a it, you guys are probably. I don't know if y'all have ever been on Jimmy. I have been. You, it's a yeah. very difficult place to play. It's kind of sunken down. Nippert Stadium, it's an old stadium. Back then they had the old turf. Uh, you dressed way away in what was essentially like their – kind of like their pain center. Yeah. And you would walk down a ton of stairs. And, and, uh, and you know, I remember going there in 95. It was freezing cold and raining. We go back in 97. Uh, it was – wasn't bitter cold, but it was probably 50 degrees somewhere in there and raining. And on the old turf that they had, because it was bad turf, uh, very slippery, hard to keep your feet, and it started the, the rain started coming down harder as the game progressed. You know, it was a Conference USA game of the week. It was a 3.30 Eastern kick. Um, it, it's, it's neck and neck. I mean, it is neck and neck. Uh, right at the end of the game, a couple of plays that stand out. One is Ty Trahan just absolutely decapitating uh, their kick return Robert Tate on a kickoff. It'll, you, I'm sure that highlight will come up on Saturday on the big board. But Ty just absolutely hammers this guy. You know, we struggled to – didn't have uh, our leader. Marchant Kenny was out that game. He had, had tweaked his knee in the two-lane game. Marchant wasn't there. So uh, it was a little tougher for us defensively. It's a 17-all game. Uh, right at the, towards the end in the fourth quarter, Lee Rob hit Sherrod on a fade route in the corner of the end zone, and uh, that puts us up 24-17. to 17. They get the ball back. They're moving it down to score. Uh, they're pushing down, pushing it down. I believe it's somewhere between three to six seconds left in the game. Um, their quarterback, uh, Chad Plummer, if I remember correctly, I think was his name. I think that's right. Chad Plummer I, was, I his, like was right. his name. Yeah, uh, throws a ball. Uh, Patrick Sertain jumps the route picks it off and is taking it all the way to the house, ends up sliding in the rain, just kind of sliding down, and everybody goes running across the field uh, to celebrate because that was the last play of the game and it sealed the victory. So huge, huge play by Pat right there and really solidified why he was the Conference USA player, defensive player of the year. Um, really, he continued, you know, he made plays all year long for us, and that was a huge play. That sealed the, the deal because, again, that, was, that ball was going into the end zone. Patrick jumps around, takes it, and just flies down the field and ends up, again, sliding down in the rain, and, and we just go nuts in the celebration and, and, and fly home just uh, just laughing the whole way. And, and a little bitty side note right here. On that flight home from Cincinnati, I'm sitting in the back of the plane with Kendall Dunn and Marshant Kenny, and we're talking to one of the stewardesses, and she's just making small talk, and Marshant said something, you know, uh, you know, was polite, something about, you know, thinking she really didn't know much about football. And she's like, yeah, my son plays. He's a pretty good player. Um, you know, he, he plays plays a little bit. Uh, would you like to see a picture of him? And Marchant's thinking – and we're all – all three of us are really kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. He's a pretty good player. She pulls out a picture, and her son is Eddie George. <laughs> so, yeah. So <laughs> – it was pretty pretty funny. We always talk about that. Like, you were thinking like an eight-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, her, her son was Eddie George, and it's a picture with him and the Heisman. And uh, <laughs> we, we kind of laugh about that you know, all the time. But uh, the next week, we go to Knoxville. 
Um, they're ranked uh, top ten in the country, eight, I believe. We're yeah. top twenty five. Peyton Manning, twenty four. Peyton Manning. They had drilled us, absolutely hammered us uh, two years ago in Knoxville. Uh, one of the coldest games I've ever been to in my life. Shut us out, forty two nothing. It was an embarrassment. We go there. We're winning. Um, 13 to 6, 13 to 7. Yeah, that's in right. In the second quarter, we're dominant. I mean, literally, they cannot stop us. Um, we're just running the ball down their throats. There's a, again, another highlight I'm sure that will be posted up on the board uh, on Saturday is Harold Shaw absolutely running slap over Corey Gaines at the safety position and going in the end zone. I mean, he just puts his head down, he just bowls right over him. And we're, they can't, they don't know how to block us. Again, it goes back to Coach Thompson with the organized chaos, prowling and stemming. Those guys don't know where. The pressure's coming from. They can't figure it out. They get a couple of plays. We had a couple of bad, um, little bad luck going into the second quarter. They regained the lead, and unfortunately, we never were able to, to get back that momentum. Uh, you know, toward the you know third, fourth quarter, uh, actually the start of the third quarter, I believe, we take the opening kickoff. Uh, another bright spot was Eric Booth returned the uh, kickoff, uh, 101, 102 yards, somewhere in there, 97. Returned it for a touchdown. Uh, to start the second half, so that was a uh, a nice little uh, nice little um, big play right there at the end of the Tennessee game for us. Um, but really, I think we once we got out of there, everybody never even looked back at that game. I don't think we even watched tape of the Tennessee game um, because we knew what was on the horizon, and that was Houston, and that really was the payback for last year. All right, guys, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about Southern Miss. Taking on the Houston Cougars back in 1997. You guys come right back to us here on the score, 1400 AM and News Radio 98.1. We are back. Here on To The Top Talk, Jamie Arrington, Jason Bailey, Card Shannon is... Uh, doing the twist or something. Yeah, he's doing something. He's got something going. Pee-wee Herman? <laughs> he's doing the Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was his end zone celebration on all his touchdowns he had. Basement in the Alabama. None. <laughs> all right, so we were talking about uh, Southern Miss 1997 season. Now, I remember this game. I remember, wasn't it just pouring down rain for a good portion of the game? It had rained prior to. Okay. It rained prior to. It was cold. It was like in the 40s. It was cold, uh, cold, dark. But I can tell you that it, it was there was no lack of energy and enthusiasm from our side. I can tell you that because that was that was our last home game as seniors. Yeah. Uh, you you got to remember again back in we back then we just played four mm-hmm. home games. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this was this had special meaning for a lot of reasons. Last chance to play in the Rock, uh, the redemption of. The loss to Houston, you know, the year before that kept us out of a bowl game, um, it would mean really clinching a share of first place, and so there was a lot on the line there. It was it had the field had been torn up the week before. There was a band competition while we were away yep. at Tennessee, so the field got all jacked up. But it, the cool part about it was um, they had actually spray painted it green again, and they put the attack eagle which had not been there, they put the attack eagle at midfield. So um, it, the, it, everything looked really cool. It was a Conference USA game of the week, 2.30 kick. Uh, there was the intro of the seniors. It was a really – it was unique opportunity to uh, – for me personally, um, 
as they announced, you know, for me to come out is to give Coach Bauer a hug to say thank you. And yeah. I, I and I that's every time I talk to the man, and I, I will do it Saturday when I see him again, is to say thank you for the opportunity that he gave me um, on the field. Um, he gave me the opportunity to play to achieve a dream, a dream essentially, uh, to uh, get an education, and uh, he gave me those opportunities. And I'm, I will forever be thankful for him and in, indebted to him for that. And for me, that was just a, a, a brief moment to say thank you and hug him before, as my name was called out to run out, you know, between my teammates and then welcome the rest of the seniors um, as they had the same opportunity. Um, that game was, again, like I said, was special. And from the very kick, we were going to dominate them. And the score is reflective of that. It's 33 to nothing. I don't even think they got a first down to the end of the game. Um, and that was by a very generous spot. Um, you know, I mean, it was a just sheer domination in all three phases. Uh, we scored uh, on kick, in the kickoff return game again. They tried to kick away from Eric Booth. They squibbed it. He still picked – we were playing for that. They, they picked it up. Uh, it was right at the start of the third quarter. They picked it up and we scored. Um, real classy team. I remember a guy spitting in my face as Booth was running by. Uh, but uh, as we were going out to the kickoff, he spit in my face. And then I, I Kitchen and I hit him, knocked him down, and then um, had a nice few choice words for him as Booth was running by. But, uh, but again, that was a huge win. It was an awesome, uh, an awesome night, really. Yeah. Because um, we had won our last game. Um, you know, it was the last game in the Rock. Um, you know, every time you know, I remember running down that last kickoff I had in the Rock to make the tackle. Um, think little things like that were important yeah. to me. You know, to go down and make that last the last kickoff I ever ran down to make the tackle. Uh, you know, a couple of tackles on defense, things like that. It was just it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I remember after the game, you know, them tearing down the goalpost. Yeah, carrying the goalpost out of the stadium. I, I mean, was there. That, yeah, and Bay was there. Was a lot of you know, I had friends that were. You know, just I remember seeing him the next day. Like I was on top of the upright when it came down. You know, or or the goalpost. It came down on me. I remember yeah, Clay yeah, Smith yeah. saying that. And I have pictures uh, that my mother took of of the goalpost behind me. Um, I actually posted a picture of from that night on Twitter with Jimbo. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it, it was special too. You know, they tore tore down the goalpost. We officially got the invitation um, to go to the Liberty Bowl. They gave it to us that night at home. Uh, so re to receive that invitation, to know we were going to play uh, in Memphis, you know, it was just we had really fulfilled our, you know, our our, our goal of of uh, being able to play in the postseason and being together at Christmas. Um, even though we still had one more game to play, which was ironically at Memphis, right? Um, it was just an awesome night, uh, just a culmination of of you know, really for a lot of us because we were a lot of us redshirted, uh, you know, of five years together. Yeah. And to be able to go out on top like that was was awesome, and not not many teams can, not many guys can say that. And to go out winning that game had such huge implications. We go out and we just dominate them. Uh, the next week we go to Memphis. We we you know we bust up there. We just beat them mercilessly. They were not very good. Coach Ripshear, great man, great coach, came to coach here later on. But his teams were not very good. We dominated them from the very start. Uh, pretty unique game there because Harold Shaw goes over a thousand yards rushing in that game. So we were one of you know we had a thousand yard receiver, a thousand yard rusher, and I believe really Rob was a three thousand yard passer. Yeah, 
So uh, that's a pretty unique thing back in the day before the, the offensive explosions that you see now to have a 3,000-yard passer in Lee Roberts, an 1,000-yard receiver in Sherrod Gideon, and a 1,000-yard rusher in Harold, I mean, in Harold Shaw. So that was a big win. We go up there 42-18. We officially clinch. And you know we had, then we have a few weeks off, and then we were able to go to play Pittsburgh. And the beatdown was on. And the beatdown was on. <laughs> and, and it started you know, it started that opening night we get there, Jamie. You know, we go – we have um, the first night we're there where the two teams get together at Graceland. And, you know, there was a lot of trash talking that night. Um, there was a dance contest that I will never, ever. <laughs> um, it, it, it was hilarious. And, and TJ Slaughter and, and Mo Gowdy end up taking the crown. But those guys didn't respect us. And I don't think they knew what was about to come their way come New Year's Eve. And our speed, athleticism, and just the fact that we were a better team was evident from very kick from the very uh, get go. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Come back and talk more about that '97 Liberty Bowl. Welcome back to To the Top Talk. We're talking with Car Shannon about the 1997 Liberty Bowl. All right, so you're breaking it down for us. What went down in Memphis? Utter total domination. And I, I think I mentioned right before break that those guys didn't respect us. Um, yeah. And, and, and even, you know, I remember Lee Corso picking against us. And, it, again, it goes back, we would not be denied. And it was unfinished business, and we had a job to do. And while we had a great time in Memphis, I mean, it was a blast the entire week. We spent the entire week at the Peabody, had a great time. Um, I mean, everything from we went to Graceland, tours, you know, the parade, everything. I mean, we, we enjoyed ourselves. We had a great time, but it was still a business trip. And from the very kick, and it was, and you, had, we were talking during the break how cold it was. It was mid forties at kickoff, sunny as can be, but man, by third quarter, that sun had gone behind the press box, and it was freezing. But oh, yeah. you know, again, total domination in all three phases. We scored three times on defense, three times on offense. They only scored once right before half when Pete Gonzalez scrambles and makes a play for for seven. Uh, but we were faster than they were, more physical. They couldn't block us. Um, and again, you know, uh, Adelia scores, P Funk scores on the scoop and score, and uh, Perry Phoenix. By the yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then right at the end of the game, Terrence Parrish picks off a ball, uh, takes it in. I think I was the only one to tackle him in the end zone. You know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Lee Rob and Sherrod hook up and and uh, just have an amazing game. Again, uh, Sherrod ends up being offensive MVP. Adelius is defensive MVP. Um, those guys were just amazing, amazing that night. And it was just a great um, really into uh, the season, into my career. Couldn't ask for a better, you know, better way to go out. Um, it was just a great group of guys. I mean, and I've said this before, one of the, the, the neatest things I've ever heard Coach Bauer talk about is how special that team was to him. And he said this publicly, and he said it to me, and, and it means a lot, is that that was his favorite team and, in his opinion, the best team he ever coached. And that, that means a lot to me because, again, there was a, it was a, just a lot of talent. When you look at the roster, a lot of guys got a chance to go play on Sunday. A lot of guys played just on defense alone. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just a ton of guys had the opportunity to play on Sunday. But we were a team, and it was great leadership within that team. Um, you know – Everybody took a role, knew their role, and was 
good at it. And but again, there's great leadership. I mean, you you can go, you know, Latrell Pollard, Marshant Kenny, Patrick Sertain, Lee Roberts, um, you know, DeQuincy Scott. Uh, I mean, it just the name it, Cedric Scott said was young then, but I mean, guys that were just so talented, but still great teammates, great guys, and amazing, amazing group of guys. And look, looking forward to Saturday to seeing a lot of those guys again. All right, you guys come out. They're honoring the 1997 team this Saturday at The Rock. Southern Miss taking on the North Texas Mean Green that Saturday, September 30th, 2017 at 6 p.m. Real quick, follow Carr on Twitter at CarrShannon23. Follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. Jason at Bumper J Bailey. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking Southern Miss versus North Texas. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk. So, Jason Bailey here. You know, the beauty of the podcast is that there's no time limit, right? So, we actually, what is it, 7.04? We just finished the uh, radio show. There's a lot of stuff we didn't get to with Carr, so I thought that we would uh, just go over just a few of these just kind of funny little stories that he's got, little anecdotes, um, and things that I just honestly kind of wanted to know. So, um, Carr, I was just wondering, like, you know, as far as uh, you mentioned a lot of the games you guys played, you went through the whole entire 19, 1997 season. Um, is there any place that was just like your favorite to play on the road? Let's start with places didn't like to go on the road. Okay. Hated Alabama uh, for a variety of reasons. Didn't feel like we'd ever, you know, it was always against us. But let me tell you, I, we did enjoy feeding off the energy of that crowd because when those crowds will get into it at Legion Field, some of the loudest I've ever been around. Um, you know, usually when we talk about places we enjoyed playing on the road, it could have been when we liked Illinois. That was pretty neat, going to the Swamp a few times. But for some reason, going to East Carolina, the food at the hotel was phenomenal. And so, we, you know, for us it was also not just about the experience of the game, but then, you know, Friday nights eating together, going to the movies, that sort of thing. Um, but I don't think there was one particular place that we liked to go on the road. I mean, there's a lot of road games that we felt were memorable. You know, Georgia, obviously, personally, LSU, a lot of us feel LSU was probably one of the biggest games we ever played in to be able to go into that game and get the win. That was probably my favorite. That was 1993? Uh, 94. 94, okay. 2018 win. Well, so, you know, now just, uh, I mean, just I've never played a game at The Rock, right? Um, and just like a lot of the listeners have never done it. But, you know, we love going to it. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's kind of like my happy place. So, I mean, what's the feeling like when it's a big game at The Rock? Everybody talks about that little stadium. How there's only like 25, 28, 30,000 people a lot of the times, but it gets so loud. Can you just speak to that a little bit as far as, you know, being a player? For me, well, as a spectator now, I will just simply say the juices really start flowing right before the kick. You know, when the music starts playing and kickers set the tee and, got, you know, you start – I really still feel this day like st- ready to run down on that kick or be on the other end and ready to block for that, you know, our return guy. I mean, that's really um, – I still feel it today even as a spectator. 
Um, I remember, you know, as a player, how special it was. And for me, my last couple of years, just to be able to look up in the student section, you had Carr's Corner, which was comprised a lot of, of guys on the basically the baseball team and the volleyball team. But to look up there and it's in the student section over that second portal and you see the sheet hanging down a Carr's Corner, mm-hmm. um, that's special. You know, especially for a guy that wasn't, you know, I wasn't a starter. Um, I was a role play guy, but to be able to have those guys up there cheering you on was awesome. Yeah, sure. And so, um, you know, last week on the episode, Jamie asked me this question, and I didn't know that. You know, we we have a little prep work before. You know, you saw like how we get ready for the show. Well, I didn't know this question was coming, <laughs> so it kind of blindsided me. But looking back on it, I I really kind of enjoyed not knowing that he was going to ask the question because it was you know on live radio. I had to come up with a response, and and it just came straight from the heart. So what he asked me was. You know, why I was a Southern Miss fan. You know, and it tugged at my heartstrings a little bit. Um, so I'll ask you the same question. For me, and I, I touched on this briefly uh, in the podcast when I talked about what Coach Bauer meant to me. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to what Southern, Southern Miss, excuse me, means to me and, and the black and gold is it's, it's what it gave me. And for me, it was a chance to play college football. And a chance to get an education. And as a student athlete, it's really hard to ask for more than that. And it's lifelong friends, lifelong memories. And to this day that you know, we still talk about it, and we, there, there's a ton of laughs. And, you know, you think about games, but you really think about the other things, you know, whether it's practice, workouts, uh, time in the locker room. And, and that's the stuff you really remember. But, from you know, it really comes down to – the relationships you make while you're a student athlete here at Southern Miss, friends, teammates, and so forth, and the opportunity to live a dream and play college football. Absolutely. So that's kind of the serious questions. <laughs> I want to get a couple of goofy questions in here. But, but you know, also I think, I think it will be entertaining for everybody to listen to. First of all, you've seen John Gruden break down film on TV. Yes. Like Gruden's Grinders or whatever yes, it's called. Absolutely. So – I want you to tell me a play that you remember. I know you're on the defensive side of the ball, but I want you to tell me a play that you remember practicing and you know putting it into the game. And you can, just, can you just like detail it out, John Gruden style? Um, we can go defense or kicking game. What would you prefer? Um, let's go kickoff return. Kickoff return. Um, that would be conversion right. Simple name, but. It's a reason we won, or, well, won a lot of games, but also led the country in kickoff returns in 97. And, you know, what basically, um, you would count from the center, uh, of the field and, and find the apex and then clip a number off of there. And I would, since I was on the front line, would drop back to the 28 to 32, uh, and have a junction block with Jim Kitchen. And we would kick in the number three man while Tyrone Bolware and Roy Bell would come across the field in a junction block and kick out number two. And essentially what that would do is create a lane. And Eric Booth, and, and again, on the highlights, you'll see it on those big returns. He comes right off my backside, right up the, the field. And it's usually somewhere between the numbers and the hash, and it creates an alleyway. And again, you just you kick in three, kick out two, and here goes Booth down in the sidelines. Wow. Yeah. You lost me at, like, kick out, like, a minute and a half ago. <laughs> but I can give you more. We can do defense. We can do other special teams, all that stuff. All right. Here's the last thing we got. You're going to have to dig a little bit deep on this. Okay. But if the 1997 team were the, the United States Olympic squad, 
Who would be the following participants? We're going to start off with 100-meter dash. 100-meter dash. Um, in terms of because it's 100 meters, I still got to go to Eric Booth on this one. Eric could pick him up and put him down, had a nice long stride, and because it's 100 meters and not something like 20 or 30, 40 yards, that sort of thing, otherwise I would have probably chosen Sherrod Gideon. Mm-hmm. But because it's 100, I'm going with Eric Booth. Got gotcha. you. All right, shot put. Random name for you here. All right. Probably got to go either Kevin Bull Harper, who was a backup guard, or our boy Pump, Charles Pumphrey, big pump. Uh, both of those guys could bench press in, you know, somewhere close to 500 pounds. And when we're talking a shot put, it's, you know, we're not talking about pass protection or run block, and we're talking about a shot put here. So I'm going to go with either B- Big Bull Harper or Big Pump. Wow. Shout out to Bull and Pump for sure. All right, next. Freestyle swimming. And I think that's what you call it. I don't know. It's like, like whatever like Michael Phelps does when he's winning all the medals. Swimming. Well, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> freestyle swimming. I don't even know if he does, but he just looks like a guy that could do it. Jim Kitchen. I'm going to go with Kitch. Kitch just looks like a guy who could swim and be good at it. I don't know. Wow, Kitch. Compliment coming your way via car. All right, what about boxing? A lot of guys uh, could go here. Um, a lot of a lot of on the field fights. There's a lot of guys that if I saw them in a dark alleyway, I, I would just turn around and run the other way and hope they didn't catch me. You know, I was laughing with Kendall Dunn earlier today about some of the fights he got into at practice. Uh, but no doubt, uh, probably the guy that you would not have, you just wouldn't want to face in a boxing match or in a fight, T.J. Slaughter. And that's like the number one, like most fierce name ever in the history of Southern Miss football, maybe in the history of football, slaughter. TJ, when he stepped on the field as a freshman, got into a fight with Buck Halter. And from then on, there was a lot of respect for that guy. And you just, you know, with the green eyes and the, you know, it's just kind of the whole package. You just did not want to, you wouldn't want to mess with TJ. All right. Last one. And this is going to involve three people and an entirely different Olympics, the Winter Olympics, but. The bobsled. Ooh. All right. Um, I'm going to have to say I'm going to drive. So you I like put to yourself drive. in there. I, I, got, I like to drive fast, and that's something I've always wanted to do is bobsled. So I'm driving the bobsled, first and foremost. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take little B with me. Little Brandon France is also a small guy. So uh, he can get in the middle seat right there, and he's a powerful guy just like myself. So uh, he and I would always go neck and neck for pound for pound, strongest guy on the team. So I'm taking little B with me. Uh, and then on the back end, you got to find a guy with some big push. So probably I'm going to go a guy we hadn't mentioned, but also a great athlete, multi-sport athlete. And I was going to choose, I, I would say between two guys, first thought was Adelius, but I'm going to say DeQuincy Scott. And DQ would have that big push off the line for us and get in the back of the bobsled for us to win gold. Wow. Well, thank you very much for putting up with my silly little questions here. And thanks for coming in to uh, To The Top Talk. And I'm sure we'll do it again soon, but uh, we'll see you out there on Saturday. To The Top. Thanks, man. See you Saturday.